Good People, Cool Things is a podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. Get inspired by their stories to do your own cool thing. And here's your host, Joey Held. Welcome to Good People, Cool Things. Today's guests are Jack and Deck, the co-founders of Tomalitos by Sugar Rocks. And if you're a candy fiend, this is the episode for you, Jack and Deck, talk about how they combine some of their favorite treats from their Mexican and British backgrounds, respectively, to make a candy that really isn't like anything else I've ever tasted before. Maybe you have. If so, show me your candy prowess, because I think I have a pretty good candy background and knowledge. But this is something new to me. These tamalichos are very tasty. We're talking all about how Jack and Deck have built up this brand from really like a homemade candy shop that they started that is now across the country. You can find it in Michael's and HEB's and a lot more all across the United States. There's so much going on in this episode. There's even a snoring dog for some of it who joined the call, and it's a very soothing snore. It's not like uh, the kind that keeps you up at night, perhaps someone you live with, or perhaps you're rooming with someone and they're just like going crazy with the snoring. It's not like that. It's a gentle, soothing snoring that lasts for, I don't know, maybe the first 10 or so minutes of the episode. It puts you in a nice, relaxed state of mind so you can listen to all of the good stuff that Jack and Deck are imparting on us. If you'd like to hear even more of that good stuff, head on over to goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Sign up for the mailing list and you'll get all these wonderful tools, resources, tips, ways you can do your own creative thing right in your inbox. It's glorious. It's magical. Just like this conversation with Jack and Deck. For people who maybe aren't familiar with you and, and know who you are, can you give us your name and your elevator pitch and also the type of elevator that we're riding on? All right. So I'm Jack. On deck. So I actually started Sugar Rocks Candy Studio down in Mexico City. It started as a candy store and we were making small batch candy. Um, Deck moved over from the UK and we got married shortly after. Um, we started the candy company in Mexico and we started supplying lots of hotels with our candy. And because of that, we'd get phone calls from people outside of Mexico saying they had bought the candy in the hotels and saying that they loved it. Um, and Beck, well, he was sort of looking forward to, um, expanding the business outside of Mexico. And we found out that our most popular flavor were these candy pillows filled with chili, lime, and sea salt. At the time, we just called them pillows. Um, so we said, well, why don't we brand it something? And one day we were making this candy in the store. A lady came in and she said, oh, they, in Spanish, she said, parecen tamalitos. They look like tamalitos or tiny tamales. And Doug said, well. That was my jump up moment. That was the eureka moment of. That's the brand. That's that's where we need to go with this. So we came up with the brand Tamalitos by Sugar Rocks. And at the time, our idea was, let's keep on making this small batch and we can start selling it in the States, maybe online or maybe to a couple of mom and pop shops. And it sort of exploded. <laughs> so we... We started shipping up to um, through Laredo into the U.S. We um, went to um, a trade show in Chicago, which is the Sweets and Snacks show. 
um, very naive in what we were going into. We'd never done anything like that before. So we arrived with a tablecloth, a few bags of candy, and it was very much still then a concept more than anything. And um, we, we were sat there with our little stand surrounded by these huge stands with neon lights and, and everything. And um, the show started, and from the moment the show started, we had crowds of people around the stand. So at that stage, we knew that we were on to a good thing. I mean, my concern at the beginning was, how will people react to more high-end Mexican-style candy? Because up to now, Mexican candy has, um, you know, it, it's not the highest quality. And if you look at the packaging and the price point, it's pretty low. So that was my concern. And when people would ask me, well, who are you targeting? I'd say, well, I'm not really targeting the Hispanic market in the States because um, I feel like, well, speaking like for, my, for myself, before Sugar Rocks and Tamaritos, we have our favorite brands of Mexican candy, and they are deeply ingrained into us since we're kids. So I knew I wasn't going to com- be able to compete with that. So sort of the idea was, well, let's make this hybrid sort of like European-style candy with a Mexican twist, and let's target it to, you know, maybe not the Hispanic consumer, but more people that probably aren't eating Mexican-style candy but are curious and they're looking for you know unique flavor experiences. So that was sort of our starting point. So when we went to this show, I was, I was nervous because our price point is a little bit higher or actually quite a bit higher than all other Mexican candy and actually quite a bit higher than most candy in the candy aisle. Another reason is because, well, you know, it's handcrafted and we do use natural colors and natural flavors. So um, we were sort of tiptoeing into this space with the product that we we believed in, but we weren't sure how the market was going to react. And we got interest on that very first show from some pretty big buyers, national buyers. So at the time, like we mentioned, Deck and I were making this candy in the candy store. Well, Deck and I and, and our staff down at the store. Um, by this time, we had a couple of stores. So when we were asked, what's your production capacity? We said, well, if we stop making everything else and just focus on the tamaritos, we'll probably be able to make, what, like 9,000 pouches of candy a month, which to us seemed like a, a really big number. I'm sorry that was about working. the snoring. That was working <laughs> almost 24-7. It's not me that's falling asleep. It's the bulldog that's sat at our feet. Yeah, we, sh- we should call it out for people listening. <laughs> Jack's not boring us all to sleep. She, she, gets, she gets louder, so just give it time. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, um, when these buyers heard our production capacity, they laughed. And they said, oh, my God, guys, for us to consider you, you have to be able to make at least 50,000 pouches a month, which for a small, you know, independent... Artisanal, handmade candy company with about four people working in it. Was, was it was sort of terrifying, taller, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but in a good way. But we were unprepared, so our knee jerk reaction was when we started hearing this: is we need to build out like not a candy factory, like a candy studio where we do the same thing, but instead of just having one group of artisans making candy, we hired like ten groups. So what we did is we we actually went ahead and did that. So we built out a candy kitchen where we were doing 
pretty much what we were doing in this store, but times five. So we, um, so we could really increase our production. And that's where we realized we're really good at making candy in small batches. My background was in marketing. So um, I felt really confident in the brand and the branding and look and feel. But when it came to production, that was a stumbling block. And we hit ourselves. Um, we ran up again. Uh, a brick wall. Yes. A brick wall. Yeah. <laughs> from the logistics part of getting the product from Mexico City to our distribution um, hub, which was set up in Indianapolis because we weren't thinking right. I mean, <laughs> we made a lot of mistakes at the beginning, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the sheer logistics of moving product from Mexico City across the north of Mexico through Laredo, through the FDA into the United States, um, you know, at certain times of year, remembering this is candy, it was, it was, it was a nightmare. Yeah. So then we had issues with, um, you know, with the transportation, we had issues with the product because it was arriving, some of it stuck together and we didn't understand why. And then, um, well, one day at one of these trade shows, we met um, a co-packer and, and they were asking, well, how do you make the stuff? How do you make tamalitos? And we told them, and they're like, hmm, you know, you're probably putting too much water in it and you should look into um, maybe working with a co-packer, which we would have loved to do. But when you work with a co-packer, they'll usually ask for huge production runs. And again, we get back to that point where we're just two guys that own a small candy shop. If someone turns to us and says, you have to pay for in advance, basically, you know. A hundred thousand bags of candy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's... It was a lot of money, a big risk. And, but, um, but we met this co-packer and she was actually amazing. And what she did for us I mean, I, I think she saw the product and she believed in the product and she told us, guys, what I'll do for you is I'll make the candy for you. Um, you guys go out and sell it and I'll charge you as you sell it. So basically it was like on consignment, which was amazing. Um, and so at that time we decided to change our production from in-house to the co-packer with one of the huge caveats that I had for her is I still needed to be handcrafted. <laughs> and she was like, well, you're in luck because the way that you make your candy and the way that we make our candy is basically the same, except that we, we can cook it a lot quicker in the end part of the process, which is the stretching out of the candy. We can put it onto a machine. So it does that a lot faster, whereas we were doing it all by hand. But um, the important part, which is like the putting together the ingredients and rolling it into this big candy log, it was all done the same way that we always did it. In a nutshell, what she could do is she could, she could manufacture what we used to take six weeks to manufacture. She could do that in two days. Oh, wow. So from our point of view, it gave us the, 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 the instant production capacity, but it also gave us the growth capacity as well. So from our point of view, that was amazing. And it also let us step away from the production um, and the headaches of production and concentrate more on the growth of the business, uh, which is what we did. Um, and that's what's led us to introduce a lot more flavors. We're now up to 10 flavors of Tamalitos. And, um, 
you know, so had we not have met her and had we not have done that, we wouldn't have grown as quickly as we have. Oh my God, this is a long elevator pitch, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's one hell of a ride. <laughs> it's one of those rides where someone forgets to push the button. So you're just kind of standing up for a while. And it's like, oh, wait, yeah, let's get that. Are you sure it's not you snoring, Joey? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still wide awake. So believe, I've... <laughs> believe me, believe me, you've got the short version. When he starts. <laughs> I've had a few cups of coffee, so I'm I'm fine. We're talking about four. Now you mentioned you had those new flavors. I always think that it's it's fun to hear kind of some of the rejected flavors that you had. So what were a couple that you thought, hey, maybe this will be good, and then when you tried it, it was just like, oh, that that doesn't work very well. Well, when we were in the candy store, we'd actually play a lot with the flavors because we had the flexibility of being able to do small runs. So um the concept is simple. It's just like a candy shell, and we could fill it with anything. So I don't know if you're familiar with mole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So mole is like um, it's like a Mexican um, sauce. Yes. You put it on chicken, but it's made from a paste. So I was thinking one day, well, why don't we make mole candies? So we actually made the candy, and we filled it with the mole paste. And, and it was actually pretty good, wasn't it? It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> It was too bad. I mean, no. Well, no. mole is like a mix of chilies and chocolate nuts. For me, I thought it was really good, but um, I don't think it would have floated very well here in the US. Put it that way. Not in the US. No, no probably no. not. It's really one. One thing that's difficult to do is to get a flavor that is natural, that is really, really good. Um, I mean, we play around with a lot of flavors, and the amount of times our flavor company that we work with have sent us samples and we've 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 tried to make it and it's not been good enough the whole idea of, of tamalitos is the moment you pop one of the tamalitos in your mouth you immediately get the flavor and it's a it's a good strong flavor um so we've it takes us a long time to develop new flavors a lot of backwards and forwards and um you know even the last lot of of flavors that we that we launched we were making candy in our little apartment mid-pandemic, um, you know, little little batches, um, you know, and the, the flavors were going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards to, to this company until we got the ones that we were happy with. And, um, you know, there's, it's not rocket science, but, it, it, you know, what we don't want to do is launch flavors that people, you know, don't gravitate that much towards. But we've got some really unusual flavors. I mean, one of the ones that I personally like very much is the cucumber. There's not very many cucumber candies out there, but our cucumber candy is amazing. And, and it's, it's incredible that the amount of people that say to us that they buy the cucumber candy, not only as a candy, but they've also used it at parties where you, you actually drop one of the, uh, one of the candies in a, in a shot of tequila um, or, or in, a, in a gin or whatever, and it cha- changes the flavor of the, of the gin or the vodka or, or tequila really well. Um, and we were quite surprised to hear that, that people are uh, experimenting quite a lot with, with something that was essentially just, just a candy, you know, it's, um, it's incredible. But I mean, everyone's got their own favorite. Um, I mean, we started with a watermelon and a mango. Um, and now I say we've got the 10 flavors. My, as I say, my personal favorite is cucumber. And I think Jack's is, um, is probably the tamarind. Untraditionalist. So but tamalito started as Mexican flavors. And I think tamarind and chili is the quintessential Mexican candy flavor. And I mean, I just, even to today, I just taste one of our tamarind tamalitos and it 
transports me to you know my summers in Acapulco as a kid. It's just it it just tastes like my childhood. We always get asked when we're doing trade shows and things. Well, what's your favorite flavor? What's your, and when I say cucumber, because they hear the accent, they immediately turn around and say, "Oh, because you guys eat cucumber sandwiches." You know, we've all been to Wimbledon, and it's got nothing to do with it whatsoever. I just think that the cucumber flavor is is really really good. Followed very closely by the watermelon. I mean, the watermelon is. But then when I say watermelon, I then get people looking at me as if I'm speaking Kurdish or something. You know. <laughs> Watermelon doesn't, <laughs> but the accent then comes out. <laughs> now, Jack, you had mentioned that you kind of grew up with with all of this candy, um, you know, and it goes back to your childhood. Deck, was that the same for you? That like you were you were hooked on candy as a kid? I know a lot of kids are, but were there like one or two that really stood out? Well, no, I mean the sort of candy that I grew up with. When when you live in the UK and you go to the to the beach, um, you get the, what's called sticks of rock. Um, and basically it's like a foot long, um, stick of candy that has, um, like it'll have, I love the seaside or kiss me quick or something like that written through the middle of the candy. Um, so when we started sugar rocks, that was essentially what we were doing. We were making that candy, but cutting it into small bite sized pieces. And we used to do a lot of weddings and birthdays and different, different social events, as well as corporate logos through the middle of the candy. Um, so for me, that was that was something very familiar to what I was doing. Tamales? Did, did I eat a lot of tamales in, in the UK? No. Um, but when <laughs> was, I moved to Mexico, a popular item out there. <laughs> where, well, Mexican restaurants in the UK are, are nowhere near as good as what they are in Mexico. I mean, all they do in, in the UK is they just put as much chili in it as they possibly can, so it just blows the top of your head off, you know. And, and so it wasn't somewhere that I used to go very often. It was more fish and chips and pie and mash for me. But, um, but no, I mean, Jack grew up with... with tamales so you know the the move into tamalitos you know with the concept of tale, uh, tamales was was more natural to him than me but um i mean obviously the flavors i mean I'm, i have to admit i the tamarind ones that are jack's favorite i'd never eaten tamarind in my life um before moving to mexico but um i mean it is used a lot in indian food and we do a lot of indian food there but uh, but uh, in mexico i think it's just part of the staple diet i think yeah so, like the flavors, when we started Tamalitos a couple of years ago, we launched five flavors, which were really Mexican. So it was the watermelon, mango, tamarind, cucumber, and pineapple. And those are um, the flavors that you find in most Mexican candy. And during this COVID craze, when we said, well, let's develop something else, I was thinking, okay, well, we're living in Texas. Why don't we develop something more like a hybrid, you know, Tex Mex? type thing why don't we take more american flavors and sort of mexicanize them so the next five set of flavors that we launched like sort of three we launched three and then two yeah Yeah. but yeah so so they were like um i call them sort of my chicano creations because they're sort of american but with the mexican um soul (laughs) so we came out with cherry with chili which is not traditionally mexican at all um, we came out with blood orange and chili, peach and chili. So they were like flavors that I um, that we grabbed from American candy, and we sort of gave it this twist. And I think that's sort of fun, and and people are liking it, especially the blood orange. That one's been really popular. Yeah. But it's it's been cool to do like this hybrid Chicano Tex Mex candy because I don't think anyone's ever done that. 
Yeah, that sounds. I'm, I'm trying to like rack my brain of if I've heard heard of that before. I, I don't think I have. <laughs> so the next thing that happens is after we choose the flavors and and we're happy with the flavors, um, we then go into this huge um, debating room, if you like, of what the hell we're going to call this. And um, Jack normally wins on on all of those arguments because he comes up with some weird and wonderful names. So if anyone is used to out there is used to the Tamalitos, then I'm not going to put my hand up to come up with any of the names. Jack's done all of those. Because what, what Duck is saying is each of the flavors, like the watermelon is divine watermelon, the mango's lip-smacking mango, tantalizing tamarind. So, you know, it's sort of quirky, little a little tongue-in-cheek. The two recent ones, one of them is quite sort of, you know, on the line, it's cranberry fantasy, and the second one is peach slapped, which... um jack came up with so i'm not going to put my hand up to that one either but you know it's it's um i don't know i don't know where he gets them from really probably all part of his marketing background no you know where i do get it from have you ever watched rupaul's drag race joey i have yes yeah okay so you know at the end of the show or when they do the runway rupaul always calls out category is and she'll say um whatever the category is so I'm thinking to myself, and this is sort of my nod to our, um, you know, our drag family queens and kings out there, which I think is fabulous. I mean, <laughs> in in the gay community, I I always see them, and they're so brave. And anyways, I won't go off on a tangent, but it's sort of my nod to like the drag community. I say, well, I'd like to name them as if. There were categories in RuPaul's. Right? <laughs> so basically, basically, Joey, what you're saying is underneath this 200-pound hairy lump of flesh sat alongside me, there's a drag queen in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was as witty, funny, and beautiful as some of them, but no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might need a second to get this question out. but So that that is... Clearly, the the RuPaul inspiration um, for naming, but obviously just the name is one part of the marketing element overall. And you've got the marketing background. You know very well there's like a new social media platform coming out every, I don't know, every two weeks, it seems like, or a new trend to, to hop on, all that good stuff. So what have you found has worked well with your marketing? We, we really, we've had more success with Instagram. We're sort of trying to find our way through. We're working um, with a friend of ours who has an agency here in Austin. Um, and she's, you know, she's helping us create content. Because honestly, Joey, when I was in advertising, um, that was like 15 years ago. It's, I feel oh, it's, like yeah. it's a different animal, you know? I mean, and I was in strategy when I was in market, in advertising. So I was the planner and I do consumer insight and I do focus groups. I feel like right now, if I were to throw myself into the world of marketing and advertising, I wouldn't know what I'm, I'm doing. Like, it's so different, you know? Like you say, I mean, where do you go? Where do you focus your attention? The one thing that, I mean, obviously has remained the same is that to connect with consumers, it has to be more about consumers than it is about your brand. What I love about these new channels is that it's, it is really direct and you're not limited to talking about, you know, attributes and you know, boring sides of, of products that that was always a challenge when I was working in advertising. How do you convince your clients that your brand is more than just, you know, product attributes and benefits that it's, 
that has to mean something and you have to bring life to it. So in that sense, I think that um, all of these channels really allow for a brand to really express itself as an individual. Um, but I also feel like I run out of ideas really quick now. So having the help that's of an age. agency. That's, that's old age. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's great to work with people that are a lot younger than me and more in the know. And, and they've been really good at bringing fresh ideas and fun things. Yeah. One of the things that's always amazed me about Tamalitos is that it's a product that people like to share and, and talk about. And we very often get emails from from customers that are quite amazing. I mean, we have one this week that from someone who was really, really sick for COVID. I mean, obviously, it's on in everyone's mind at the moment, but um, she was really, really sick and she's lost the, the sense of taste and smell. Um, and she said to us that uh, the only thing that she's found that she can actually eat and enjoy at the moment are some of our tamalitos. Oh, wow. And she actually took the time to actually send us an email about that, and that was pretty incredible. I mean, in the past, we've had people that have been suffering um, with cancer and going through chemotherapy and radiology and all that sort of stuff, and, and you know, they've said that, you know, all they're eating at the moment is tamalitos, you know, and it's, it's incredible to hear that. Um, but people, you know, there's so many people that are brought into the brand and love the brand and, you know, super excited every time we launch something new or we talk about something new or we manage to get into a little store down the road from where they live or, or you know, it's, it, it's really inspirational, it really is. But like what I have noticed causes like the most interest is like when Deck and I do it are on, you know, when we are on camera explaining something or talking about something and it's like really personal, that seems to be what people like the most. So we can spend hours and we'll go on photo shoots and and we'll get, you know, some good reaction. But it's funny, what gets the most reaction could just be Deck and I sitting in the living room talking about something and do it like a live stream on Instagram and they'll truth, sort of explode. The truth is no one can sell a product like, the owner of the business, but the owner of the business has got to love the product. And we love Tamalitos. It's our little baby. You know, we gave birth to 10 little babies and, and you know, it's, it's well, you look great um, after, after 10 babies. <laughs> <laughs> we share the responsibility. Don't worry. And um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a journey the last, I mean, we're coming up to being 10 years married now. We started it about a year or a year and a half before we got married. So it's been like a 12 year relationship with Tamalitos um, or with Candy. Um, I mean, I didn't have anything to do with candy apart from eating it before I moved from, from the UK to Mexico. And then I found myself in this, in this candy world. And, you know, it's been a roller coaster. It's been, we've had good days, bad days, exciting days. It's life, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. But um, I think, you know, when you start touching people's lives like we do with Tamalitos, it, and it then becomes emotional. That's what's important for the, for the two of us. But, um, you know, I mean, when we go to trade shows and we actually do we actually do the trade shows, we, you know, it's far more successful for Jack and I to do it because we, we have the passion behind it. And, you know, we've had we've done trade shows where we've had sales staff there and or we've brought in sales staff and it's not been a good trade show. So that basically means that for the foreseeable future, Jack and I have to do all the trade shows. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> But it's fun to travel sometimes, right? Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And f- through 
obviously COVID <laughs> impacted all of us. Like we, you know, we're talking about some of the messages that you get. I'm sure you've had supply chain issues at some point, or at least like delays or, or tweaks that you've had to make. So has there been something that has been like extra surprising over these past couple of years or just the whole state of the what world? Really? really, really surprising <laughs> is, is that we moved to Austin in November, 2019. Um, so we moved up here and set up the office here and um, we would have a warehouse over in California where we used to ship the product in from Tijuana. And we came here because we, the business was growing tremendously and we, we wanted to be where the action was because before that we were remotely doing it from Mexico and traveling in and out all the time. So we arrived November 2019, basically two months before COVID really started to take off here. So couple of months into, into COVID, so jump forward to sort of March, April of 2020. Um, that's when things started to get really serious here in the US with COVID. And we were worried. I mean, we started to see some big orders starting to drop off because, you know, stores were closing. They didn't know what was happening. And we were, we were, we had quite a few sleepless nights thinking, my God, we've just moved here and this is now happening. What's it going to do to our business? Luckily for us, 2020 was our best year ever. Um, I mean, it was just tremendous. I mean, what happened was people, people seem to like eating candy in a pandemic. And, you know, our online sales just grew tremendously, like tenfold. I mean, incredible. Um, so that was incredible for us. So the first year of actually being here, although we were stuck in our apartment and, you know, going out briefly and, you know, all that sort of stuff, we had our best year. Last year um, was a lot better than the previous year. So we're, we're on a trajectory at the moment, which hopefully is going to take us to bigger and better things. So I think also like in reference to your question is there has been a big supply chain issues for lots of people. I think we've been really um, good at planning things out. So we've kept our stocks up pretty high in our warehouse. And I think our customers know that. So because there's been a supply chain issue and lots of the shelves have been empty, that's actually been to our advantage because our customers know that we have stock. So they'll maybe place orders that they might not have placed before. So the fact that there hasn't been things to fill their shelves with, but there is tamalitos has allowed us maybe to penetrate like in a bigger way than we might have during another time. I mean, with regards to actual stock product, the only thing we had an issue was the um, our manufacturer of the packaging um, actually came to us and said that the packaging that we were previously using was totally out of stock here in the US and they had absolutely no idea when they were going to get replenishments coming in. So we had to change the bag slightly, which meant that on the back of the bags, we always used to have a little window where you could see the candy. We had to manipulate the bag so that there is now no window in the back. Um, and that's simply because there wasn't the product to make the bags. That's, the, that's something I would like never think about. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I guess right. not fun, but a, an interesting. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't a lot of fun yeah. when we got that call. <laughs> but you know what? There's a silver lining moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, we changed the packaging, and now we're realizing that the packaging that we have now is actually better for the candy. It seems to last you know, better on the shelves and it shapes better. So it's definitely yeah. silver lining moment. Yeah. And it features your artwork as we were talking. Yeah, about. yeah. my artwork. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
three. Nice, nice. All right. Well, you're almost off the hook here, but we always like to wrap up with a top three. And for you, Jack, this was a recommendation that you made, but your top three collaborators for Tom Alitos. Who are you going to partner okay, so, with? <laughs> so definitely RuPaul. If you ever listen to this, we are super willing to partner up with you <laughs> on anything. You know, sweet, spicy, kind of sin. Oh, for me being a Brit abroad, it's got to be someone like Adele, I think. You know, it'd be nice to do, um, to get Adele to wear a, um, a drag style dress made out of Tamalito's bag. It'd be something <laughs> like that'd be good, wouldn't it? On, a, on her next black and white video that she does. But, um, <laughs> but no, someone like that. I mean, we had been listening a lot to Brandy Carlisle and Sam Smith lately. I think our house cannot get any gayer, can it? <laughs> but, um, That'd be kind of fun. No? Yeah. Oh, no. Any, anytime we get a chance to share tamalitos with people that haven't tried it, we're always sort of curious to see what the reaction is. And it's so fun when you get that wow. Mm. No? So it'd be fun to see celebrities react to tamalitos. That would always be fun anytime. Yeah, the reaction videos are always always a delight. Just yeah, it's like you're saying, like you just throw on a video. It's no production value, but you're just like, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna try this, and it's great. <laughs> I think it's so. I I still find it amazing that people are so wowed by the combination of sweet and spicy that we have. Because for me, it was just like always there, and like I'll give tamalitos to someone that's never tried Mexican candy, and honestly, the reaction is always. <gasps> Oh my God, wow, I've never tasted anything like this. I'm like, for <laughs> real? Oh my God. I was a bit wary of how Tamalitos would be received in, in Europe, in the UK and in Europe, but we now actually do sell in Italy, France, and the UK. And particularly in the UK, it's selling pretty well. So um, it's exciting, exciting times. Fantastic. Well, if people want to pick up a bag or maybe maybe 10, I would say, like try, try all 10, where can they find you? <laughs> They can find us online on our shop, which is they can find us at www.tamalitos, tamalitos is with a Z, dot com, or um, Michael's shops are across the country. Or, or if you're here in Texas, all the HEBs. Yeah. Love it. I'm, I'm going to head over to my HEB right now, in fact, and go, <laughs> go pick some up, because nobody does it better. <laughs> Getting a plug, maybe HEB will, will be listening to Send some of that sweet, sweet ad money our way. <laughs> well, Jack and Deck, thank you so much. This was a blast. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for people to try it. No, thank you so much, Joey. Thank it's you. been fun. Absolutely. And we got to end with a corny joke, as we always do. I think this one actually might be better written, but hopefully it still uh, translates with an audio joke. But what do you call a train that eats toffee? I don't know. What do you call a train that eats toffee? A choo-choo train. <laughs> Oh, love it. Ah, get after it today, people. <laughs> <laughs> Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you're a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 